Welcome to the Lingolstown Life Podcast. In today's message, George Reynolds challenges our interpretation of the meaning of Jesus's parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. He discusses how our relationships with Jesus do not depend on our actions, but on God's grace. This message was first preached on July 18th, 2021 at the Lingolstown Life Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. to the Lingolstown Life podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. I want to open to, uh, to Luke chapter 18 and read verses 9 through 14. Uh, yeah, I was I was taking some time to uh, to read up on next week's sermon, and as I was doing that, I read read across something that said, you know, oftentimes when we open the scripture and prepare to read something, we uh, we find a title to these stories that Jesus tells, and I made a very good point. So many times when we read those titles, we think we know what the story is about because we read the title, but. You know, the titles weren't in the original uh, language. I mean, when, uh, when Matthew wrote the Gospel of Matthew, he didn't add a title to a section. He didn't even have verse numbers. So, um, But anyway, sometimes the titles can throw us off a little bit. But this, this uh, story, this parable that Jesus tells is called the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And uh, here it is. And I want you to listen to these words, and then I have two questions for you. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So here's my question for you this morning, and uh, the first question really leads right into the second, but, but who's, the good, who's the good guy in the story that Jesus just told? Who's the good guy in this story? And more importantly, why do you think your guy is the good guy? Would you just share an answer with somebody that's sitting beside you right now? Maybe, uh, maybe you want to post a comment online or, uh, or just write down your response there on your sermon outline. But take a moment and, uh, and just share. Wh- who's the good guy in this story? 
And why do you think your guy that you chose is the good guy? Okay, you've had a moment. Who's the good guy in the story? The tax collector. Really? You think so? Well, let's talk about that this morning, okay? Um, we like stories that really divide people up very simply into good guys and bad guys, right? We, we like to be able to look at somebody and say, you wear a white hat, so therefore you're a good guy. You wear a black hat, so you're the bad guy. You know, we just grew up with that from my days as a little kid. There were the bad guys and the good guys. And, uh, you know, when you do just a cursory reading of this story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, it's easy for us to just sort of put these two people into these two categories. Here's the good guy, here's the bad guy. Okay? But is the Pharisee really the bad guy in this story? And why do you think he's the bad guy in the story? It could simply be because of how we read the closing line of the story, or maybe we think he's the bad guy because he's just a little pompous in his prayer. And of course, maybe we just think that the Pharisee's the bad guy because preachers always say that the Pharisee preachers always say that the Pharisees were the bad guys, right? So you know. But Pharisees, listen. Pharisees, even if they were obnoxious to Jesus at times, they were looked at by the people of that day as the good guys. They were the good guys. To those people that Jesus was speaking to, the Pharisees were the good guys. They were experts because they, they knew and they knew how to keep the law. And in the religious system of their day, that meant that people respected them because when people looked at the Pharisees, they said they know what God's talking about, they know how to do what God wants them to do, and in that case, in those days, that's what people figured, that's a good guy. So before you put the Pharisee into the category of being a bad guy, just think about this for a moment. Pharisees were, were zealous for the law. I mean, they had a zeal, a little obnoxious at times, but they had a zeal for the law of God. And, and Pharisees devoted their lives to the law, to understanding it, to talking about it, to making sure that everybody followed it day in and day out. Not only this, when we read this prayer, this Pharisee was so zealous that he went over and above when it came to keeping the law. Uh, he says here that he fasts twice a week. Do you know how many times people are encouraged to fast in the law? Any idea? No. They don't have any idea. So what does that part of the parable mean to you? Ah, you were only required to fast one day out of the whole year. But this guy, 
he fasts twice a week. And then there's this whole thing about tithing. He, he, he tithed, and he, he tithed on more than what the law required. Now, of course, he gets it wrong when he judges the tax collector and all the other sinners, but, you know, no one's perfect, right? Okay. But the people who heard Jesus tell this story would have certainly seen the Pharisee as the good guy in the story. Now, the tax collector, on the other hand, well, that's a whole different story. I mean, tax collectors were traitors, okay? These were Jews who worked for the evil occupying force of Rome, and these were not people who showed mercy to anybody when it came time to collect taxes. Therefore, in the mind of the people that Jesus was speaking to, they are aghast by the simple fact that the tax collector actually shows up in the temple to pray. And Jesus' listeners would also be aghast at why you would have assumed that the tax collector was the good guy in the story. But that's just the power of the stories that Jesus told. Sometimes we have to really understand a little bit more about what's behind the story than to just take the story at its face value. Because, you know, when Jesus tells these stories, these parables, they, they rarely turned out the way Jesus' listeners expected them to turn out. Because if you think about it for just a moment, what the people were expecting between a Pharisee and a tax collector going to pray, the people would have expected the tax collector to be the bad guy and the Pharisee to be the good guy. Now, the first thing I want you to take note of today is that these two men had the same destination. These two men had the same destination. They were complete opposites okay, in terms of the way they live their lives. The Pharisee in one side of the equation, the tax collector on the other, they were opposites, but Jesus said that they both went to the temple to pray. However you want to view each of these men, one thing is demonstrated by Jesus in this story, that is the temple, or if we think about the temple as God's presence, God welcomes both the Pharisee and the tax collector. I'll stop and think about that for a moment. The temple, this place where God dwells, welcomes both the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now think about this for a moment. There are a lot of people in your neighborhood, in my neighborhood today, who don't feel welcome in the church, inside the four physical walls of a church. Now, there are a lot of reasons why that we're not going to get into today about why people don't feel welcome in church. But as we hear this parable, I want you to think about this. I want you to, to really listen as Jesus tells this story, what's he saying to us about how welcoming we are to people? You see, both the, the Pharisee and the tax collector, for both of them, the temple is a place of welcome. 
It's a place where, where God puts out the welcome mat and says to people, you are welcome here. Not only that, the temple is a place of prayer. It's a place where conversation with God is called, uh, is, a, is, is able to happen. And it's a place where God can always be found. Now, when you stop and think about the temple, the temple, well, in, in ancient Israel, it always represented the place of God's presence here on earth. And before, before Solomon built the first temple, before it became this static physical structure, the temple, the place where God dwelt, was just simply a tent. A tent that the Israelites carried through the wilderness as they were leaving Egypt and on their way to the promised land. Uh, the, the Israelites carried this tent with them that was the dwelling place of God. And whenever they would stop to make camp, what did they do? The very first thing they did was to pitch the tent of God and then the rest of the camp would, would basically be built around the tent. It was a reminder to them that, that God always dwelt in the midst of of his people, and that God is the center of community life. So uh, as we move through the history of Israel, we go from this, this tent into a temple, uh, into this massive, massive building made of stone. And King Solomon, David's son, builds the very first temple in Jerusalem. And if you take time to read through the account there in the Old Testament, we see this beautiful image as, as God's spirit, as a cloud fills the temple. And it reminds people, this is where God dwells among his people. And so the temple as a physical structure always represented God's presence and it became a place of prayer. It became a place where people could seek out God's forgiveness and seek God's redemption. And so it's natural that these two men, the Pharisee and the tax collector, come to the temple because, because in here, in here, they were seeking God. They were seeking a place of prayer, and they were seeking a place of mercy. But as I said, think about this. Where do people go today to be welcomed in their search for God, in their desire to, to communicate with God? Where do people go today when they want to seek mercy? I'd suggest that, that those are all questions that, that people all around us are asking all the time. Where can I find God? Where can I talk with God? Where can I find mercy and forgiveness? Now, if you think about it, there, there was a time that for those things, people sought out the physical church. But not so much anymore. And, and it's not because people aren't spiritual. <laughs> Being spiritual is all the rage. But sadly, the church as a physical building isn't a part of that spiritual quest of many people anymore. You might find this strange for a pastor to say, but that's okay. That's okay because, you see, God's moved past temples and buildings. 
God moved past that a long time ago. Actually, if you go back and read the scripture, God really wasn't interested in dwelling in a temple. You see, God wasn't interested in being confined by a physical structure because God knew that physical structures sometimes leads to idolatry, but that's getting to a whole other sermon for another day. But what does Paul remind us about? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, as Paul is writing, he reminds us that you and I are what we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, just stop for a moment and stop thinking about temples as physical structures and think about the temple as our lives. And let me ask you this question. Are our lives welcoming people who are seeking God who are desiring to enter into a conversation with God and are looking for mercy. If your life and my life represent the presence of God in our world today, are we a place of welcome? Do people come to us as individuals because they know that the Spirit of God lives within us. They should be. People should be coming to us because they should be able to see and experience and know that the Spirit of God is at work in us. So one of the simple, one of the simple lessons of Jesus' story is that God's temple welcomes both Pharisees and tax collectors. Now, now we, we, may wel- we may question, well, why would they be welcomed there? I mean, the Pharisee, because he seems to be caught up in all this legalism, and the tax collector, because, well, because of the simple nature of his built business, the, or the reality is, Jesus wants us to see that God welcomes all of us. God welcomes you. God welcomes me. God welcomes you. God has a welcome mat out for all of us. So the question that we should be asking ourselves as we pause in this story is to ask ourselves, how welcoming are we? How welcoming are we as the Spirit of God's, or the temple of God's spirit? Do we only welcome people who are legalistically obeying all of the rules and go beyond? In the case of the Pharisee, though, when you start to read this prayer, you know, the one thing he never does is to acknowledge the grace of God in his life, that God has provided the things that he needs. He's just sort of caught up in himself. Are we only welcoming to those who, who clean themselves up before seeking the mercy of God, like, like the tax collector? You know, like, hey, Mr. Tax Collector, you, you go and clean your life up and then you're welcome. I mean, that's why people were sort of aghast at the point that, that this tax collector shows up in the temple, because to them, this isn't the kind of person we want here. But, no, that's not 
the case. But look at the tax collector's prayer for a moment. It's so simple. Just, just four words. Have mercy on me. Now, unlike Zacchaeus, remember Zacchaeus, that wee little man who climbed up in the sycamore tree? Do you remember what his occupation was? He was a tax collector, right? And when he had dinner with Jesus, what did he tell Jesus? He said, I'm going to pay everybody back, okay, whatever I stole from them. Okay, there's a, a change that happens to Zacchaeus. But our tax collector in this parable, all he says is, have mercy on me. And you know what? The next day, he could have gone right back to collecting taxes and being unmerciful to people. But you know what? God would always welcome him back into the temple for prayer. Just like he welcomed back the Pharisee who was a little more proud of himself than he was of the mercy of God. So I would propose to you this morning that we shouldn't judge either man to be better than the other. We shouldn't judge either man to be better than the other. And part of the reason I throw this out before you today is because, well, we oftentimes read this last line of the parable. Do we have it up here on the screen? Yeah, go ahead to this next slide. So if you read the top line there, it says, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. Now, that's the way, that's the way you're going to find it in, in most translations. But there's an alternate, and you're probably going to question me about this, but there's an alternate way you can, you can interpret the word there that says rather than the other that actually says this. This man alongside the other went home justified before God. Now, if you want to come back to my office sometime and I can show you in the Greek how that alternate reading might actually work. But I like the alternate reading because then the parable, then the parable gets beyond the actions of the prayers. See, this is something that we might quickly over, you know, look over. But if we, are, if we assume that both of these men are sincere about how they approach God and how they view their relationship with God, then the story doesn't turn on their actions, but the story turns on the grace of God. Now, at that point, you should all go, oh, wow. Because isn't that really what this is a story about? It's really a story about the grace of God that says to the Pharisee and to the tax collector, you're both welcome in my house. You're both welcome in my presence. Because I'm a God of grace and mercy. And I, for one, I'm all for the grace of God. And I hope that you are too. 
Because as, as an author of one commentary says, once we judge one of these men better than the other, then suddenly this parable traps us. Because what have we done? We found ourselves judging between these two men. But there's another struggle that we have here too, isn't there? And that struggle is with this generous grace of God. You know, we're, we're, we're happy to be saved by that generous grace of God, but we're not always happy. We're not always happy to see God's grace extended to, to the people we don't like. Especially when we see them as sinners. But as Jesus taught, and this is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, what does Jesus say there? He says that God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. See, God doesn't split hairs about who's right and who's wrong. God's just gracious and loving, kind, and welcoming. You and I, we, we prefer... We prefer to create categories that call some people good and some people bad. But the reality is God's grace is available to all of us. And I'm sure glad that God didn't put me in the bad category and you in the good category and you in the bad category and you in the good category. He just opened his arms and told us how much he loved us. So we may prefer to create good guys and bad guys, but God's grace, God's grace is available to all of us. So let me try and wrap this story that Jesus tells in, in, a, different, in a different story. Do you remember being in school and having a group project? You know, you know the old group project where, you know, the teacher says, Okay, you four, you're going to work together. You four, you're going to work together. And, and when you get together in that group, there's like three brainy people and a slacker. Now, I'm sure none of you were the slacker, right? You were all the brainy types. But did you ever work on a project, one of those group projects, and the brainy people put in all the work? Sometimes they even go a little over and above and all along, there's the slacker who's just sort of sitting there drawing pictures on paper. Doesn't contribute anything. And then when the project gets turned in, the slacker gets the same grade all those brainy kids got. And all the time you were working on that group project, you kept thinking to yourself, this is so unfair of the teacher. If the teacher knew what kind of work I put in and that person didn't, and while you may not think it deserving, the generosity of the teacher is extended to everyone in the group. 
Now we're going to talk a little bit more about this whole idea next week because we're going to move on to another parable. This, this one titled The Workers in the Vineyard from Matthew chapter 20. We're going to talk about this parable where, where if you know anything about the parable, well, men come to work in the morning, some come in the afternoon, some come an hour before quitting time. And when they all leave at the end of the day, they all get paid the same. Now, there were some people, there were some people the day that Jesus told this story that may have thought themselves more worthy of God's grace. I mean, after all, they did all the work, right? They did all the right things. But the story wasn't about the recipients of God's mercy. The story is about the generous grace of God for all who come to this place of seeking out God's grace and mercy in their own way before God. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, sometimes we allow outward things to cause us to put people into categories. And there's really only one category that you look at, and that is the category of grace and mercy. And I, for one, am so thankful that your grace is so abundant and free and that your grace is so welcoming to each and every one of us. And we do not need to, to worry and be fearful of whether or not we can live up to the standards that you set. Because, Lord, we know we never could. But when we cry out to you, you are a God who is gracious and generous and in a way that we don't even begin to, to fathom or understand. And in your graciousness, you say to us, you are welcome here, my child, my son, my daughter, you are welcome. Come into my presence. Come and let's talk with one another. And as we do, Lord, today, we just want to seek your mercy and your grace. And help us to see that your grace is at work in the lives of those that we have categorized as good and bad. And Lord, help us to become people of grace who extend your grace to those who need it. And that's all of us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. joining us on the Lingolstown Life podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope that you'll leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more at www.lingolstownlife.org. God bless you and may you go forth to love God and love others.